Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Good Monday afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. We're glad to have you along for the ride. And uh, we'd love to hear from you this afternoon on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. Coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more at PearlRiverResort.com. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good to be back with you on this Monday afternoon. Fellas, hope you had a, a good weekend. I'm sure you made lots of jokes at my expense uh, a week ago. I, I don't care. I had fun. It was, it was good to be away and kind of press the press. So the then we both had fun. Yeah, yeah, it was good all the way around. Um, fun week away, though. Get to uh, spend a little time with family, and uh, now we get back and stretch run for the start of the uh, the college football season, including one week from today when we will be at SEC Media Days. We'll be coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt on Broadway in uh, in downtown Nashville as we uh, we get the. Uh, the, the media day festivities off and rolling a week from today. What's up, guys? Excited about that. I can just tell it in your voice. Just <laughs> dripping with enthusiasm and excitement. You just can't wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm Some, re- something, something MSU related just happened, so I was just sort of looking at Twitter there. I zoned out for a second. Yeah, I, I truly am excited about that. It, it feels like this offseason, uh, last week we had fun. I, honestly, I think we had a lot of fun considering that Nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. This has been a, a day, and it's not because the baseball teams didn't make it to Omaha either. I mean, it's been especially uh, rough. Yeah, quiet. Whatever expression you want to use. And still to this day, so I started here at the company in the fall of 2014. Transitioned to this role a year and a half later. Okay. We have yet to do a Mount Rushmore. And we never will. It's not going to happen. But we got through a week where I, I really... We are. Like Thursday morning, I sat in my office. I was just kind of scratching my head like, oh, man, what are we going to do today? And Mount Rushmore never came up. And we still haven't done one, and we won't. I'm so we, proud of that it, fact. We are easily 
in the Mount Rushmore of shows that have never done a Mount Rushmore. Yes. Easily. 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 We, we might be Washington. Look, if, if, if we made it through, what was it, five solid months without sports other than the Korean Baseball League during uh, 2020, from, from mid-March 2020 until middle of the summer when we got the KBO and then a late start to football season, we made it through that. We can make it through anything, especially a couple of slow weeks in the summer. Um, it's almost like if there is news at this time of year, then it's probably bad news. And Usually Northwestern goes. is finding that out. I know you guys talked about this at the end of the week when the story kind of started breaking <laughs> about uh, Pat Fitzgerald's suspension at uh, at Northwestern. Look, there's no reporting to this yet other than, what was it, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, the president of Northwestern kind of releasing some information that they were going to revisit the punishment for Pat Fitzgerald, which feels like it's the beginning of the end. Or, or maybe we're just closer yes. to the end. And yeah. if you had, if we had said, hey, let's list, because it's list season, Every single football coach that coaches at the Division I level, and we will we will do a ranking that starts with the most likely coach to be involved in some sort of a scandal that ultimately cost him his job, and that person will be number one on the list, and we'll go all the way through 127 or 125 or 130, however many teams it is that we've got that are playing Division I football this year, Pat Fitzgerald certainly would have been in the 100s, and he might have been in the 120s because he just has always seemed like a no-nonsense football guy, just kind of keeps his nose clean, program has some good years, they have some down years, but you never really have to worry about anything off the field with Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald and the way that he is running that program. And now that we find out more about the program, we find out that we would have been wrong if we had placed him in the 100 range on a list of you know, least likely coaches to be involved with the scandal. It really is shocking. And two things. One, I mean, we, we kind of nailed it on Friday. When, when Northwestern released that Friday news dump report that they were suspending him for two weeks in the middle of July, there was a paragraph that stood out to me where they said, during their investigation, they found first-hand, multiple first-hand accounts that corroborated the claims to where they confirmed that they happened. So they had first-hand accounts, multiple, of what happened, but also said they couldn't name a single player or coach involved. And I thought, that does not add up at all. What that means is it felt like a cover-up. If you have first-hand accounts, that means you know somebody involved. That's what a first-hand account is. Mm -hmm. And two, the emotions on both sides of this. So I don't know if you see that there are letters being written to the president and all this stuff on both sides. People, former players that say, yeah, I mean, all the way back in 2007, it was on the whiteboard. Not only did that happen, but they kept track of who it happened to on the whiteboard in the locker room. And then you've got other passionate letters. No, none of this ever happened. Pat Fitzgerald's a man of character. And that the, the, the passion and the 
like there's no gray area. There you've got former players, yes, it happened. It was on the freaking whiteboard. And others like, nope, no, it, there nope, this didn't happen, and coach had no idea, and you guys are using the media to bring him down. And there's no in between. And the truth of the matter is it's probably in between, right? So where it always lies. You know, I asked you guys when we were talking this morning. When is the last time that hazing, the way we're talking about it in the the sense of Northwestern, when is the last time that that would have been acceptable? Because there was a time in all team sports, but specifically when you were part of a football team, where hazing happened, it was just part of it, It was about camaraderie and team building and whatever. It wasn't about sexual assault, and it wasn't about trying to make people feel terrible about themselves and trying to make them quit and all those things. It was just kind of, it was just kind of part of the culture that existed. And hey, Dad, you said you think that that time frame, that that time window ended somewhere in the mid to late nineties. That's what I think. You know, when I was in high school, we didn't do anything like this, but. There, there was some hazing for sure, and I think as as you got into the two thousands, you, you got you got started getting getting away from that kind of stuff. Did it change when Peyton Manning got accused of whatever it was he was accused of when he mooned some guys in the locker room and a female trainer saw it? Was that the point nah. where we're like, oh, you just can't do stuff like this anymore? And that didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Other than maybe just trying to think some like, sensibilities. Well, I mean, you could maybe go further back and like the seeds of it were kind of planted when, and I, you got to be careful the way you say this because I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But when women were allowed in the locker room, because, you know, for years, guys would just be like, well, that's just boys being boys and you don't, you don't, you don't think about it. But, when you have a fresh set of eyes in there, maybe that maybe that's part of it. Um, I'm just trying to think if there was like a, a real like bad incident where somebody got hurt and nothing's coming to mind. I'm sure I might be yeah. missing one. Well, and but I, I didn't. Can can you still have fun like in a team setting where you kind of pick on people a little bit, but it's in in the name of fun? Or like, I mean, can you put icy hot on a freshman's chin strap? Can you? Uh, chin, you know, fill chin some uh, chin strap, jock strap, you know, cup, whatever you want to, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to say. Can, can you get away with that? Can you fill somebody's helmet with powder? Some of that still happens. Mm-hmm. Can I mean, you throw a dead fish in somebody's locker underneath the like the fold up yeah. deal? Like, can you get away with that stuff still? I think it still happens. I don't remember who I think, it was, but I think that's okay. There's an NFL rookie okay. that came out of practice and his car was completely filled up to the. He left his sunroof open. And they filled his car up completely with popcorn. Uh, I mean, you, you still see videos of, that, of rookies like having prank. to carry off all of the pads and helmets all at once off of the field at training camp. Like that will happen this training yeah. camp, and that's like with reporters yeah. and everybody there to see it. Yeah, but when you start talking about people taking their clothes off and touching you, and it's inappropriate. Yeah, that's where you. There, that's obviously there's a line that's crossed there. Ceasefire text line. Uh oh wow, Richard is finally back from his 64th vacation day of the year. <laughs> the 
Dwayne and Brandon, not my original thought, but the guy that ta- uh, the guy that takes off more than Biden is back. <laughs> yeah. Sports Talk, Sports Talk, Mississippi, to the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk, Mississippi, on Super Talk, Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Good to be with you this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Drake Bassett will join us in the 4 o'clock hour today from Palmer Home for Children. We've got the Radiothon coming up on Thursday of this week. You excited, Richard? I am excited. Uh, It's something that we look forward to every single year. There's no reason not to be excited Happy to say that the uh, 11th annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon is this Thursday right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Every year there are children across Mississippi that need a loving home, and many times these children are caught in unimaginable circumstances. That's why we need your help. You'll learn how Palmer Home for Children serves vulnerable children, faith-based organization that does not take any government money, and we need your help. You have been so incredibly generous over the last decade and we look forward to connecting with you again this year for the 11th annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon. Hope you'll listen, hope you'll join in, and that you will give. It's all happening this Thursday right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I know of no other information to share with you about Sports Talk Mississippi that afternoon. It will be a normal show. We will uh, broadcast from 3 to 6, and uh, we will talk about all of the good things that are happening at Palmer Home. Absolutely right, we will. That's it. 100%. That's right, buddy. Nothing else happening that day. Nothing that I'm aware of. Got to figure out what I want to wear. Do you? Some people don't have to worry about those kind of decisions. They don't have to worry about wardrobe decisions. They're they're covered. Look, man, like every single day of the year, I will be there in um, uh, the finest genteel apparel that I can find. Ah, (laughs) Because genteel is the... Cover that up. Hey, Dad, I actually do have bad news. I know that there was a plan for all of us to uh, participate in making fun of me wearing Mississippi State gear, I have bad news, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, contractually, mm-hmm. I am obligated to wear the attire of the official Sports Talk Mississippi apparel provider. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need my apparel. lawyers uh, and I'm, to have I'm, a I'm, look I'm at sorry. that document. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Let me get uh, HR on the phone real quick here. I, I should, I'll just shoot her a text real quick and make sure that we're okay for that. Yeah, you should be. You, it should be fine. You, you do that. We'll uh, we'll have to see okay. what we can uh, see what we can come up with. <laughs> um, hey, something cool started last night. Major League Baseball's draft. Now the draft happens every year, and it certainly is not the spectacle that the NFL draft is. It is not the spectacle that the NBA draft is. There was not a um, uh, there was not a segment where Marty Smith was wearing cowboy boots and jorts, you know, at the home of the Texas Rangers or or anything like that. But Major League Baseball has finally wised up and decided to make at least the beginning of their draft an event. The All-Star Game this year is in Seattle. It is coming up this week. And so they had the Major League Baseball draft inside um, 
the Seahawks football stadium down on the field. There was a crowd that was there. Again, not the type crowd that you see that shows up live and in person for the NFL draft, but several hundred people, and it looked good, and there was a great backdrop, and it was a really cool deal. They only started airing the first round of the Major League Baseball draft on television about a decade ago. And it was on MLB Network in a studio with just some analysts there. And so it's been baby steps, but did you guys watch some of it last night? I actually did, and people like drafts, man. Make it a spectacle. There's nothing else going on. It was nice. That's the, uh, People like drafts. They Why do. isn't Michael Borky in charge of some network's programming? He just said it! People like drafts! Yeah. People watch the hockey draft. Yeah, They're not hockey right. fans. They watch the hockey draft because it's draft. I'll watch it. So, so Major League Baseball kind of... They kind of got with the program, and it was a really neat event. And it's the right time, too. Leading into the All-Star break is the right time to have the draft as opposed to having it while the College World Series is going on or while a Super Regional is going on. That makes no sense. And putting it on ESPN is smart. Well, guess what? You don't have Sunday night baseball the Sunday before the All-Star game on Tuesday night. Perfect time. You're not messing up your own product by knocking it off the air. You're not putting your draft against your product. Nobody plays on the Sunday night. They all finish in the afternoon on Sunday to go into the All-Star Week break. And so it's the perfect time to do it. And you know what else ESPN did right last night? They didn't have a bunch of Major League Baseball analysts. And one, Eduardo Perez was there. They brought in their college analyst to sit on the desk alongside Carl Ravitch and Kylie McDaniel and Eduardo Perez. There's Kyle Peterson. There's Chris Burke. What do they do? They cover college baseball. What does that mean? That means they know about the players who are being drafted. I actually thought that was better than what a lot of people do with the NFL draft, where it's all NFL guys that are talking about the college guys, and you're like, oh, wow, they really don't watch college football, do they? Yeah. You you, you didn't get that feeling last night. Uh, It was a big night for LSU. They had... uh, Number one and number two. Paul Skeens goes number one overall to Pittsburgh. Dylan Cruz goes number two overall to the Washington Nationals. You guys believe in karma? I don't, but I'd like to. Mm -hmm. Because LSU deserves a really bad football season. Just because everything else has been so good. From your lips to God's ears, buddy. They deserve a really bad football season, man. They got away with everything with the NCAA. They won the baseball national championship. They won the women's basketball, the most watched ever women's basketball national championship. And they're still pretending like Joe Burrow was like last year. So they need to get knocked down a couple of pegs, and a bad football season can do just that. They did have the worst men's basketball season they've had in like recent memory. Maybe maybe that counts for something for them. I don't know. They don't care though. No, they don't care. Not not really worried about that. <laughs> They're not really focused on that. So. They got to watch Kim Mulkey did, in her jackets. We we did LSU on the podcast today on our SEC preview. Robbie had them twelve and zero, and I had them eleven and one. So I don't know if you're in good shape there or not. Yeah. I'll take the yeah. under on Robbie. I think. Yeah, I think you should. Yeah. So, 
Skeens one overall. Like all of this conversation back and forth, back and forth. Do you take Dylan Cruz one overall? Does Wyatt Langford go one? He ends up going four to the Texas Rangers. By the way, the farm system for the Texas Rangers is really good. They've drafted really, really well in recent years. And if you look at the standings in big league play, you see that that's starting to pay off. Cincinnati's made some good moves in recent years. They've been really bad for a long time. Now they're a really good, really young, really fun team. But Paul Skeens, top of the draft. A lot of debate about Skeens versus Cruz. In the end, this had to be a no-brainer for Pittsburgh, right? You just had the most dominant college pitcher maybe in the history of the game, certainly since Steven Strasburg, but he did it in the SEC, not at San Diego State. No, No offense intended, but it's a different level of competition. And he did it week after week after week after week after week, and he was exceptional set the SEC strikeout record, you have a chance to have a generational talent on the mound at the front of your rotation that could be in the big leagues if you wanted him to be this year and certainly next year. I thought that the Pirates sort of falling out of contention in the Central might affect that decision. Because if they were still in it, they're eight and a half out now. You would have thought, man, we could get Skeens and maybe use him this year, like you were just saying, and like Ben McDonald told us a few weeks ago. So maybe the fact that they're falling out, maybe they were going to think Cruz or or, or or Langford. But this was the right decision. This was the right decision. If you got a chance to put a guy out there that you know for a decade could lead your rotation, and that that that's well. Now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not, not gonna, okay. they're for like three years could lead your rotation, and there then he's a Dodger or a Yankee. Okay, sure, I got you. I mean, I mean, I was gonna say, how long is a rookie con- Is it six years? Team holds your rights oh. for six years. If he gets to the big leagues next year, he's gonna pitch in Pittsburgh for three and a half or four years, yeah. and then unless they have decided to build a team around him, and all of a sudden are willing to spend money. They're going to trade him with a year and a half left on his rookie deal so that they can get good value in return and they can get a bunch of draft picks. Maybe they catch lightning in a bottle and and make a playoff run while he's there in like a four-year window. But, I mean, that's the thing about the Major League Baseball draft, right? I mean, if you are elite, when your first contract comes up, you're probably going somewhere else that can pay you big. It's crazy how... How that's allowed? I just I couldn't work like that in the NFL. No, and it's no. so much better. Or the NBA now? Yeah, dude. NBA used to be that way. It used to be that way. You know, they were going to the Lakers or they were going to the uh, the Celtics or whatever. Now they they tend to stay. I, I it's I couldn't imagine being a Pirates fan and, and turning on Pittsburgh sports talk radio and that they're, they're excited, but it's like got to make it count quick because. Team's too cheap to want to keep good players on it. Yeah. What a sad existence as a fan that must be. You know that you've got a four- or five-year window where you better figure out a way to get it done. It's not unlike the Marlins. Right? I mean, stockpile some talent, and then you're going to trade it away when it gets expensive. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. 
talking Major League Baseball draft before the break. What about as it pertains to uh, teams here in the Magnolia State? Um, White Langford, by the way, went fourth overall. I mentioned that a second ago to uh, to Texas. LSU had a high school pitcher that was taken eighth overall, so he's gonzo. Chase Dolander from Tennessee went ninth overall to Colorado. If you're a pitcher and you get drafted by Colorado, you're like, mm, man, I'm sure fired up to be in the big, uh, you know, headed. My road to the big leagues is now paved, but and if I get there, that's a hard place to be good. You better be real good. And then at number 15, Jacob Gonzalez, three-year starter at shortstop for Ole Miss, goes to the Chicago White Sox. I, I always yeah. the go White back Sox. To this. Uh... They grabbed, they've grabbed a couple of Rebels in the past few days. They got, they got Calvin Harris earlier today. Yeah. And you got Tim Elko you know, in that organization you know, Oxford already. Affiliate. You mean an Oxford affiliate. There you go. And it's, Oxford needs a double-A baseball team? Well, yeah, Oxford's already got Ole Miss. You know, maybe New Albany. Hmm. That's build a stadium in New Albany. you got a stadium already in Oxford that you can no, I'm use, just saying. I, you know, the, I don't know the overlap there. Yeah. Um... I always go back to when you think about the Major League Baseball draft, any draft in particular, but especially baseball. These kids have been playing ball since they were five. And since they were eight, ten, they've had a dream of going to be a big league ball player. And being drafted does not even come close to meaning that you are a big league ball player. But it puts you on a clear path. And for a guy like Jacob Gonzalez, who was highly thought of coming out of high school, was a freshman All-American, produced for three years, won a national championship, started basically every single game that he was on campus for at an SEC school, and then he gets drafted at the midway point of the first round. It's not mission accomplished, because the mission is, is, is get to the big leagues and then have a long career in the big leagues. But this is a milestone on on that journey for Jacob Gonzalez, but for anybody that hears their name called over these three days. I was stunned to learn that's the first first round position player for Bianco. Been a bunch of pitchers. Yeah, I, I did not realize it. I, I couldn't well, believe it when I heard. True, it. true. First, wasn't Coglin? Wasn't he a sandwich pick, or did he go a little bit later? Ah. Yeah, I have to look. I don't know. We'd have to go. For some reason, I was thinking that, that that's, that's just a stat I was given last night. So was a compensa- uh, a first round compensatory selection, or the competitive balance, whatever they call it. Um, Hurston Waldrop, former Southern Miss Golden Eagle, goes to the Atlanta Braves. Most recently, a Florida Gator. But you know who also went to the Braves? Tanner Hall. Be teammates again. <laughs> Just like they planned. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly the way they planned it. Right. And then and then you Tanner recently Hall. had Justin Storm go as well. Tanner Hall went to the twins. Did he? Yeah. One fourteen. Yeah. What, what was I looking at where I saw that? Eh, my bad. So I messed that up. Never mind. They're not gonna be teammates again. Uh maybe down the road. Perhaps down the road. 
All right, so the first player taken with ties to Mississippi State was the high schooler out of Georgia. Is that correct? Hawk? Mm -hmm. Colin Hawk, yes. Hawk. Hawk. How big is that one? It's two years in a row. You're, 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 you've had a shortstop go in the first round, signed with Mississippi State. Uh, Jet Williams last year, and now Colin Houck. And, I mean, you think about last year with shortstop and Lane Forsyth and all those problems. I mean, State would like to have a shortstop there. They want to move Marshawn to second. That's his natural position. I expect Imani Larry to be drafted at some point tomorrow and probably go ahead and go pro. So, it's big. State would have liked to have gotten that kid on campus. But, at the same time, I don't think State at any point in the last two, three years or however long that kid's been committed, he may have committed to Cohen for all I know, <laughs> that uh, that they were expecting him on campus. I mean, they knew he was a high, high-risk draft guy, and and so be it. And generally speaking, like there are always some surprises for coaching staffs during the draft, whether it's a high school guy that they thought they were going to get to campus or a guy that they thought they were going to get back that maybe went a little bit higher. But most of these are not big surprises. Ole Miss, for example, right. was not surprised one pick after Colin Houck when Josh Noth, the uh, the high school pitcher from New York, was drafted. Um, LSU was not surprised when Ty Floyd went at 38 to the Reds. Maybe surprised he didn't go a little bit higher, but that's high enough. He's gone. All right, so who are, who are the other guys for, for Ole Miss, for Mississippi State? Kemp Alderman went 47 to the Marlins. And Borky, there was oh, a great story. I was hoping story. fall to the Giants, man. I was so hoping. Yeah, the uh, the ESPN draft analyst uh, has has essentially an algorithm that he uses to plug in stats and profiles and stuff to to build a player profile. And and Kemp Alderman's power numbers were so good that they broke his algorithm that he had to manufacture a power rating for Kemp because it was literally off the charts. They they, they grade on a twenty to eighty scale. And it didn't fit at 80, and so he just plugged in 85 for the uh, for the power number for Kemp Alderman. Yeah, that's so he went uh, 47. Yes, he goes 47 to the Marlins, and then okay. Colton Ledbetter goes to the Rays mm-hmm. at 55. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise there. No, everybody expected him to be a day one selection. All right, so. In terms of incoming players, and this is the big one, right? For that's what I hate to say it like that because your players, like Calvin Harris, going to the White Sox is a really cool thing. Like you got to watch Calvin Harris play, and he was on your Kemp Alderman, Jacob Gonzalez. Like that, that, that's cool that you got to see those guys win championships. But fans are more focused on who's not showing up. And for Ole Miss, you felt good that Cooper Pratt was falling and falling and falling, and then it happened to be Milwaukee, who seems like they've got enough money to, to meet the asking price. And uh, an all-time jinx <laughs> It happened to be Michael Borky, who yeah. tweeted, hey, he hasn't been drafted yet, and then basically immediately, immediately he was drafted. So, yeah, it, it certainly feels like everybody's apparently really confident that they're going to go way above slot to, to meet his number, um, yeah. Which was reported to be two million, and the slot is three hundred k in that spot. So they're going to have to do some manipulating and stuff to to get to that number. If that is in fact his his true number, and if they do, Ole Miss's shortstop for next year is not 
we'll miss a shortstop for next year. And and Chase Parham reported earlier today that was it JD Urso who was transferring in from Tampa has also decided that he is not going to Ole Miss next year. Yeah. And so some question marks at that particular position. And that it, it just simply is a position that Ole Miss has had zero question marks for for fifteen years. Eighteen years? Gosh. Yeah. I mean think about it's been it. In a while. You, you, you yeah. go from, from Zach Cozart. We're going back to yeah, Cozart, yeah. And Errol Robinson and Gray Kessinger and Jacob Gonzalez. And then you had the one year mixed in. It was um, Anthony Servideo. Mm-hmm. So that's at least 13 years where there's been, like, you yeah, knew you who knew. was starting at shortstop. Period. Now. There's a chance that who starts at shortstop spent the last season in a different uniform. Yeah, That's, he's, uh, he's not on campus as you speak. So, and what an interesting position, though. I mean, I mean, is it desperate? I don't know, but they currently don't have a shortstop. They don't have one. The guy they portaled is not coming, and. The guy that they were worried was going to go in the first two rounds went to the sixth, and he's still probably gone. And oh, by the way, there was another pitcher that Ole Miss lost in uh, mm-hmm. Xander Muth, the uh, the high school pitcher from Illinois. Bellevue but that was East one high they, school. That was expected. That was one they expected. Yeah. yeah, right. So, and State lost another signee as well. Outfielder Aiden Smith was drafted by the Mariners in the fourth round. That's a guy that. They were kind of hoping they might have had a shot to bring to campus, but it didn't feel like it was it was trending that way. And then, you know, from the sort of best of best or worst of both worlds, a, a player, a college player, a player on the team currently that State would love to have had back next year. I think Cade Smith goes in the sixth round today to the Yankees, and that so he will in all likelihood sign and begin his pro career. That's a guy State would have loved to have been able to say was their Saturday or Sunday starter next season. Instead, he'll be in minor league ball. I mean, it's not the end of the world if you say he's your Friday night guy, is it? It wouldn't be the end of the world, but he's much better suited to a Saturday-Sunday role, I think. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah, Tanner Hall went 114 to the uh, to the Twins, and you also had Justin Storm get drafted uh, just in the last half hour or so out of Southern Miss. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. And ruined your blind tie affair The last one to know The last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise And the fear in his eyes And another Mississippi name to the draft board The Royals take Dustin Dickerson from Southern Miss at 229 
So his baseball career going to continue at the uh, professional level as well. So uh, a lot of cool stuff happening on the uh, the draft front. They will go through the tenth round today, and then we'll stop, and then they'll have what eleven through thirty now. Is that right? Or eleven through twenty will be tomorrow on the final day of the draft, and it goes fast. Now, I mean, if you're if you're trying to keep up with the order of the draft, I mean, it's boom, 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 just player after player after player. So, we get a question on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. We'll get that in just a second. I, I do want to mention this, and, and you guys, I think, would agree with this. The draft is different than it used to be. When there were 36 rounds, when there were 50 rounds, when it was basically just draft until there's nobody left to draft. Because that's how it used to be. But there are fewer minor league opportunities than there, there used to be. And with the slot value system in place for and, and draft pool money in place for the first 10 rounds, teams don't take risks the way they used to. Now, it's not 100% on signing guys that you draft. But it's closer than it's ever been. You will occasionally have somebody that turns down a first-round opportunity for whatever reason and will choose to go to college. Happened with Dylan Cruz three years ago. Turned down a first-round. JT Ginn here in Mississippi. It did. But it doesn't happen a lot. I think Jeremy Sowers at Vanderbilt was one of those first-round guys that decided to go to school instead. But with the way it's slotted, so if you're not familiar, each team, there is a dollar amount that corresponds with each pick in the first ten rounds. And so for, let's just use the Atlanta Braves, for example. If the where the Braves pick in the first round, their first round pick was was what twenty fourth. All right, so twenty fourth, I believe the twenty fourth pick of the first round. Let's just say it was worth five million dollars. You you take all of the picks that they have in the first ten rounds. You add up the amount of money that is associated with those slot values, and then the Atlanta Braves have a certain amount of money. Based on adding all of those slots up, that's their draft pool budget. Now, they don't have to pay what the slot value is, but they have that certain amount of money to pay all of the picks that they make from their slots. They can allot the dollars as they see fit and as they are able to negotiate. If you go over that by a little, there's a tax on it. If you go over it by a lot then you can lose a first-round pick, and the tax becomes more severe, and the penalties are more severe. And so teams are far more careful about signability than they have ever been. Point being in all of that, Borky, going back to your what you mentioned about the, um, the Milwaukee Brewers a little while ago, taking Cooper Pratt in the sixth round at a $300,000 slot value when reportedly – his asking price or his signing number is $2 million. And that makes sense on paper. But behind the scenes, the Brewers are looking at, okay, these are the guys that we drafted in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Here's what we're looking at afterward. We feel like we can sign this guy for X amount and this guy for X amount and make all the dollars work. Yeah. A lot of math in sports, as it turns out. And if they don't, 
if they don't so, f- sign somebody, Mike makes a good point. If you don't sign your third round pick who had a slot value of let's say seven hundred thousand dollars, that seven hundred thousand dollars is removed from your pool money to sign theoretically your other nine picks. So right there we go. I believe I'm I'm pretty sure I saw it reported on on one of the MSU uh, websites that last season every high schooler drafted in the first ten rounds signed. Ooh. Everyone. Because they're just, they're, like you said, they're just careful now, you know, because you're going to lose that money. So you've got to, you, you almost have to, like, have sort of a handshake agreement with some of these kids that, like, before you go in, like, look, we're going to take you, but you got to be, you know, you got to know. You almost, you got to know. And, and it's not, I mean, maybe even more than that. I mean, it's, it's a team calling a player's advisor, agent, and saying, will he sign for X? Mm-hmm. We're we're willing to offer X. If they say yes, though that's not actually binding, it's be pretty bad form for an agent to say yeah he agreed. Now the the one place you can get a little squirrely is like what we saw with um, Kumar Rocker a few years ago. Yeah, he gets drafted. They start going through the medical exam. They find something they don't like, and they can't come to terms. When a team is not willing to pay maybe what a guy wanted because of some medical issue. That rarely happens with high school guys, but when it does, sometimes you end up seeing a high school guy that ends up in college. One hour in the books, winners and losers. That's how we will start the 4 o'clock hour with you next on Sports Talk Mississippi. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. to Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you on this Monday, the 10th of July. And it just sounds different when you're saying July. I mean, when it's the 23rd of June, it's like, oh, okay, we're kind of easing into the summer. College football will be here eventually. When you get to the July 10th, you're talking almost a week after the 4th of July. Tomorrow will be a week since the 4th of July. Man, you're getting close. You're getting really close, which we will be reminded of this afternoon when we get to the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We're at the halfway point of the 50s. It is indeed getting close. Glad to be with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of Geyser Falls Water Park. Want to cool off on a hot summer day, hot summer weekend? Geyser Falls Water Park can help. They got the whole deal. They got the slides, they got the wave pool, they've got the lazy river, they got the big bucket that dumps water on you in the middle of the playland. And food and activities and the whole deal. And it's affordable and it's easy to get to as well. Geyserfalls.com or visit PearlRiverResort.com to learn more. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Hey, I forgot to grab this question before we uh, ran out of time. Message from a Southern Miss fan. How long do you guys think before Tanner Hall makes his Major League debut? 
Thoughts? Ooh. Um, I mean, he's not Skeens, right? He doesn't have that 100-mile-an-hour fastball that you can just pl- plug in right now. You know, but he, Great pitcher, though. But he'll, he'll need some, some time in the minors, a few years probably. Yeah, three, four years? Yeah, something like that. Feels like he's Pretty a guy that gets career. to the big leagues. Yeah, for sure. And and so much of it depends on what happens, right? I mean, what's going on with the organization? Do they have injuries? Where do they have needs? Does he transition into being a bullpen arm? Is he a starter? How are they working through all of those things? Do they need somebody to make a spot start? And he's been producing at the double-A level. There's so many questions. I mean, right, so, so Gray Kessinger has made his major league debut, and he's kind of stuck with the Astros. Now, he's not going to be an everyday starter on the infield for the Astros because they've got potential all-stars all around that infield. But they've had some pretty significant injuries, and they've needed depth, and he can play multiple positions on the infield. And what, since he's been up, he's played third and first, and has he had a game at second as well? He was primarily playing second in the minors. Hit his first big league home run. He's been up about a month now. No no idea how long that's going to last. Maybe he's enough of a utility player and he produces enough that they just decide to keep him around. Or maybe after the All-Star break they get a little healthier and he gets sent back down to AA or AAA and we'll see. But that was after three not super successful years in the minor leagues. So it doesn't always make sense why a guy gets called up when they get called up, but everybody's chasing that dream. And so we'll see. I, Borky, I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Somebody said, what's the percentage of players in the minor leagues that teams believe actually, actually have a shot at getting to the big leagues versus just roster fillers to, to fill in around the guys that they think have a chance to get to the big leagues? And there was a baseball person that said probably – Ten percent that teams think actually have a shot to make it to the show, and the other ninety percent are filling spots on rosters. I'm by that. I, I go to yeah. minor league games every so often, and and honestly, you can. I, I'm no scout, and you can tell even when a guy strikes out, you can tell that's a guy that has the chance, and then you can see the other guys that just simply don't. I mean, it's it's obvious to my eyes. Yeah. Josh and Laurel says the player that will get to the bigs the fastest is Kemp Alderman. I don't know. I mean, in today's MLB, a guy who hits bombs like that, yeah. You could see it. I think it's Gonzalez a, is a, such a complete player, though. And he hits bombs, too. So it, Kemp is built for this era of baseball. Mm-hmm. He's built he for is. It. Yeah. And his plate and he doesn't strike out as much, so much as I'm about to say. Like it's it's not like there's some guys that are, it's either strike out or home run every at bat. It, with Alderman, you're not getting that. Yeah, yeah. I saw. So I think it was Kendall say something about about him striking out too much last night, and I thought not. I understand you didn't watch much Ole Miss this year because why would you have? Uh, you probably enjoy baseball, and that would have just brought you pain and sorrow. But um, that wasn't. A valid criticism of him, at least this past season. No. No, it wasn't. 
and, and does a little bit of everything, right? He's, he's shown that he is a good enough defensive outfielder. He's not... Uh, he's caught some. He's not going to hurt you out there. He may not necessarily help you, but it's not like he's a liability. Yeah. He moves a little bit. He's a good athlete. Just good athlete. So, Kemp Alderman this year hit... 376 with 61 RBIs and how many home runs did he get? 19? 19 home runs. Those are good college numbers. Good college numbers. In 2021, when he made his debut, he played in eight games with two starts and he hit 125. He struck out 11 times in 16 at bats. Last year in 2022, he hit 286 with 11 home runs. And he struck out 58 times in 203 at-bats. This year he struck out 41 times in 213 at-bats with 19 home runs. And his OPS was like 1 point, almost 1.2. So he got better. He got better and better as his career went along at Ole Miss. And that's why he was a second-round pick. All right, we do this every day or every week on Mondays. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? We call it winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, boys, so winners from the weekend. Morky, you want to start us off? Yeah, Tim Tebow. Because even though he's not a billionaire, he's doing what I would do if I had a lot of money, just buying up a bunch of sports teams. He is uh, the new investor for an expansion team in the ECHL. You don't know what that is? That's fine. The East Coast Hockey League, but they also have like a West Coast I do Coast know what version. that is. Yeah, I grew up on ECHL hockey. The Greenville Growl was my team with a bunch of R's, like four R's. Uh, but he he's investing in the... <laughs> <laughs> growl. Yep. And then uh, there was the Greenville Groove, which was the uh, the G League team that Ansu Cisse played on. Mm. And I got to watch him play for the Lime Green Uniform Greenville Group. Anyway, uh, there's an expansion team in Tahoe, and Tim Tebow is an investor. That's how I would live if I had all kinds of money. I would live like Tebow. Marry a supermodel and buy sports teams. Because easier said than done, I'm sure. But yeah, shout out to Tebow, buying sports teams. Good for him. I'm sure they're going to be great, because everything he touches turns to good. Except for playing quarterback. Other than that, everything else he touches turns to really good. Hey, Dad, you got a winner? He won a playoff game. He did. He won a playoff game. Threw that slant over the middle, man. Electric. He was was wide open. Um, You know, I I, got to give credit where it's due. With LSU baseball, to have one and two in the NFL and the MLB draft is, is really, really incredible. Um. I mean, they were they were a team that you know going into the postseason last year they were kind of like we know they're good but are they going to be good enough and yeah they were good enough they they found a way and you know we all like to talk about their nil and things like that but baseball means a lot to lsu and they were tired of getting pushed around they hadn't even been in omaha since 2017 so then they go back they win a national title and then their top two players go one two in the mlb draft 
If Amanda in Pike County is listening, the Tigers are my winner this week. I got one that you guys are going to go, huh? Who? But you should know who this guy is. Tim Yelverton is a winner. Who is Tim Yelverton? Tim Yelverton is one of the two teaching pros at Old Waverly in West Point. And he has grown as one of the go-to guys as a short game instructor for PGA Tour players. He's got some guys that are from Mississippi. Kevin Kisner works with uh, Tim Yelverton. If maybe you don't recognize Tim's name, perhaps you were with us when we did the Sally Kate Winters remote. I filled in for Paul Gallo that day. His wife, Laura Yelverton, was the interim executive director of the Sally Kate Winters home. We visited with her on that day. Sepp Straka won the John Deere Classic yesterday, and Sepp is one of Tim's students. So congratulations to Tim Yelverton, whose profile continues to grow as an elite short game instructor with PGA Tour pros. One of his students won a PGA event yesterday. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Hey, just a follow-up to my Timmy Overton note a second ago. There's a story at Golf Digest where after the round, Sepp Straka credited Timmy Overton with a putting tip that turned around his fortunes. So Yelverton was watching. He was not at the tournament this weekend, but he was watching, and he texted him on Thursday after the first round and told Sepp Straka that the toe of his putter was sticking up. Straka made an adjustment, put his hands a little higher to flatten the club head, and then he went on to lead the field in strokes gained putting on Sunday and was fourth overall for the week and made 26 birdies over the course of the weekend. Pretty cool stuff. Subtle also. I mean, the difference in winning and losing on the PGA Tour, uh, why don't you move your hands up on the putter just a little bit so the toe of the putter's not uh, sticking up and you'll hit smoother putts. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Winner! That's, that's pretty good stuff. Uh, any other winners? Any other winners? It's a weekend of losing, if we're being honest. Hmm. Although Dana White's response, so I, I, I'm not a big UFC guy, but but there was some drama at the end of a UFC fight where guys said some things to each other. Imagine that. Uh, people that beat each other up for a living aren't like super buttoned up and sometimes let language fly and there's a little tension there. And... Dana White was asked about that at a press conference uh, by a reporter that asked him to comment on on the racist language that was used. And White was like, who used it? And when the reporter clarified, he said, people are mad about that? And the reporter said, yeah. And Dana goes, ah, who cares? Nobody cares. This is the fighting business. Leave me alone. Hmm. More people need to... They're fighters. They, They use bad words on TV, guys. You just watch them beat each other's brains in. Why do you care? Who cares? Nobody cares. Leave me alone. Was was his response. More people need to respond like that sometimes. 
What would come out of your mouth if you were in the process I, I of mean, getting cauliflower ear? I know, right? Like, come on, man. It's fighting, but anyway. All right. So we uh, we turn to the dark side. Losers from the weekend. Bob Huggins. Mm. Um, Bob Huggins mm. is now threatening to sue West Virginia, uh, asking to to reinstate him immediately, or he will because he never resigned. That his wife resigned on his behalf, and West Virginia responded with, "Yes, you did." And here's the language that you used, and it's. And West Virginia was like, we're genuinely confused about what Bob Huggins is saying right now. Here's... He met with his team and told them he was leaving. His wife sent a text message saying he's resigning and retiring. Yeah, the letter that was sent to West Virginia says Coach Huggins never re- signed a resignation letter and never communicated a resignation to anyone at West Virginia. Aside from the whole team meeting where, hey guys, I'm not going to be your coach anymore, I'm so sorry. Like, you mean other uh, other than that? V- very sad deal. It's, um... That, that, that's sad. Uh, you just, you hope that this ends with some dignity, and he can go get himself some help, because that's what he needs now. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. And the people that know him and played for him and coached with him believe that he's one of the all-time great people as well. But it seems pretty clear that there's some demons that are in his life that he has not been able to completely overcome. And, yeah, it, it looks it looks rough for, for Bob Huggins right now. Hey, Dad, you got a uh, you got a loser. We already talked about it, but Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, this is just silliness. At some point, football people, all of them, have to accept that it's not whatever year you want to think it is anymore. And you know, the days of you can treat your players like crap and get away with it; those days are over. You know. There was a time when playing football meant you weren't allowed to drink water, and if you took a you know blow to the head, you had to get right back up and keep playing. Well, thankfully those days are behind us, and it's got nothing to do with you know being tough or, or being a, a real man, because I promise you all these these guys out here saying back in my day, okay, well you go against the, you go across the middle right now on a post pattern, and let me see how much of a real man you really are, because you still get taken out. But it's just it's just it's just bothersome, you know that that football is such a great game. You can learn great life lessons from it. It stays with you every year. But some people do things like this that make football such a negative experience for everybody. And I hope Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, I assume he's going to get fired, and I don't think he'll ever coach again. And that's just fine by me. And like we said earlier, this is not one that you saw coming. I mean, he was kind of everything that we thought college football was about, right? He was an All-American player. He was coaching at his alma mater. He had been there for a long time. He had had a pretty high level of success at a place where it is difficult to win consistently. But it appears that Pat Fitzgerald, football guy, got in the way of being... Pat Fitzgerald, the responsible head coach in today's college football era. And, and we well, were talking about it honest, earlier, Matt right? Fitzgerald. Yeah. Well, let's be honest about him. If 
he wasn't an alum, he'd have already been fired. Through his last four seasons, he had a good one in 2020 in the COVID year. They made it to the Big Ten championship game. But other than that, he's 3-9, and 3-9, 1-11. I mean, where do you get to keep your job? It's only because he's an alum. Well, now he's he's going to burn that bridge. There is something to it. it maybe it bothers me more than you guys, but how often do the media, which by the way is dom- sports media, is dominated by Northwestern alum and just regular media as well? How often they point to the broken sports culture in the South? How how often do they they do that all the time, all the time? That, oh, it's too important here. The culture is broken and all that stuff. Love all that to crap. use it just means more as a punchline. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. add Northwestern to the list Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. Grotesque things happen there in the name of protecting sports. But the broken culture is here. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's not perfect we got a, anyway. We got another right? winner no, out of that Michigan not. State thing. We got another winner out of that Michigan State thing, but maybe that's a little tasteless to say. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Tough. Uh, I don't care though. T- tough day for a scumbag in jail. Yeah, you, you hate to see it. Borky but mentioned karma earlier. You love to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like the uh, the mixture of karma and vigilante justice. They could have just let that dad have five minutes with him, like he requested at the trial. Could have saved the taxpayers money. Yeah. Been done already. Who? Um, all right, let's go to some of yours on the uh, ceasefire text line. Some of your winners and losers from the weekend. Winner: Ellie De La Cruz stealing third. I'm uh, sorry, stealing second. Yes, and then third, and then home consecutively. I mean, really cool. He gave him the old okie doke on the steal from third. It's just I'm faster than you. And yeah. he just kind of deked him. And what an exciting young player he is in Cincinnati. You saw the bat check thing, right? So he hit oh, a home yeah, run. That was last week or two weeks ago, wasn't it? Oh, that was more recent than that. Where, where he hits a home run. And what was it, Miami? Made them check the knob of his bat because they thought that he had something that he shouldn't have on the knob of his bat. They checked his bat and it was fine. So he hits another home run later in the game. That was like 455 feet. Yeah, just crushes it and then takes a couple steps back out of the box and points at the bottom of the bat and says, you want to check this kind one of too? looks at the bat, you want to check this one? Yeah, <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's good. Baseball, baseball needs players like that, and they need moments like that. They need plays that everybody's talking about. Big home runs happen every game. But a guy stealing three bases like that, I mean, it, that's cool. Very the Nats, cool. not the Marlins. Thank you. Oh, sorry, Kelso, to uh, bring up a bad memory for you. Lucas and Union winner, Newton County Academy. For as small of a private school, they are having a first-round Major League Baseball draft pick. That's pretty cool. That's from Lucas in Union. Uh, Adam in Monticello, winner, L.A. Knight. For the first time in his career, he cracked the top five in merchandise sales in WWE yeah. Okay. Well, let me talk to you. Yeah. Hmm. Dwayne and Brandon says winners. Okay, not being a suck up, but glad the whole sports talk team is back together. I don't know uh-huh. that Hayden and Borky agree with that sentiment, but I'm glad to be back. I'm only having to do one third the work instead of one half. 
Porky told me earlier that you only did a third of the work last week anyway. Hey, don't be that way. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, are there any others on the ceasefire text line? I don't see any others right now. Anything we're missing? No. Not right now. Coming up next, we'll go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jake uh, Drake Bassett, who is the executive director of the Palmer Home for Children, will join us coming up next. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Told you earlier, we're excited about the 11th annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon coming up this Thursday, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It will get started at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning, and we'll go until we finish up Sports Talk Mississippi at 6 o'clock on Thursday evening. Joining us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line is our friend Drake Bassett, who is the executive director of Palmer Home for Children. Drake, hard to believe that we are coming up on year number 11. Certainly excited to be back. Hope you're well. Hey, I'm doing great. Good to hear your voice. And, uh, yeah, I can't believe we're coming up on <laughs> 11. Uh, I guess that means we started this when we were 25. So that's good. Yeah, that, you know. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just tell everybody that. And, uh, that's our story and we're, we're sticking to it. Sticking in, to it. In terms of our age. Uh, that's right. <laughs> tell us, I mean, obviously on Thursday, we're going to spend the entire day talking about the uh, the great things that are happening at Palmer Home as you guys continue to grow and create hope in uh, in children that may not have it otherwise. But give us a little bit of an update on uh, what's been going on in the last year since we were last with you on site at the, uh, the Palmer Home campus. You know, I think, uh, you know, just like everybody else has experienced, uh, the world has uh you know, had a number of different, uh, things going on. Um, and, 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 and by that, what I mean is, is that, you know, whether it's the economic challenges or whether it's some of the social controversy, whichever side you're on of whatever, you know, issue, um, you know, we look at it a little bit differently. And it, I mean, setting aside some of those issues, what we look at is, you know, is the world, um, you know, creating, uh, a safe place, you know, for children. Now it sounds like a, you know, kind of a, uh, a wide sky kind of view. Uh, but honestly it, it has, uh, a ripple effect. And so when we look at some of the challenges that have been happening and you, you know, you come off of, uh, COVID, uh, and you look at some of the effects that, that happened there where we saw increases of, um, domestic abuse, uh, where we saw children neglected more severely during the pandemic. Uh, you come off of something like that, and then you come into economic challenges for, uh, certainly for the middle class and for lower income. All of those things combine to put pressure on families. And when you put that pressure on families, sometimes the people who suffer the most are the children in those families. And when families aren't able to keep it together, um, or when a child needs a place to go, that's why we're here. That's why we've always been here. And our commitment is to provide a safe place. Our commitment is to provide an opportunity 
for a child coming out of a difficult situation to enjoy being a child, uh, to have a safe place to rest, to have food to eat, to have educational opportunities and other opportunities that are, you know, part of growing up in a healthy environment and gives them the best shot for moving forward in life. So it has been a challenging year, uh, but our purpose is still the same that it was in 1895, which is to provide a healthy, uh, you know, God-focused, safe environment uh, for a child to grow. You know, Drake, we we operate in the athletics world primarily, and I've heard people say when it comes to to college athletics and facilities and and growth, if if you're not building, then you're not growing. You're falling behind. And you you say the mission has remained the same for over 100 years, but even in the last decade, I I think about the evolution of of Palmer Home, whether it's to a, a single campus, which has made it, I think easier for you uh, as a, an organization to provide the care that's needed for the children that come into your campus care program, but the foster care program has grown, and the family care program, which deals yeah. with incarcerated mothers and children, that that was just kind of an idea when we started doing this 11 years ago, and the transitional care program has continued to grow. So kind of talk to us about the the way that, you stay focused on that mission that has always been the same while also continuing to evolve and grow to take care of the needs that that arise? Well, I really appreciate you uh, stating it that way because as as the even though the mission has remained the same, um, the scope of the need has expanded, and not just in numbers but in terms of what you need to provide. Uh, and so you're right. We have introduced additional capabilities that go beyond uh, the residential, uh, you know, uh, program. Now you're right. We consolidated to one beautiful campus, great campus. Uh, we have a brand new wellness center there, um, and it it really is a special place. Um, foster care allows for children who are ready, who've who've been on our campus but are ready to kind of move into a more permanent family, um, you know, for those children to cross over and to, and to thrive. Um, transitional. No doubt that one of the challenges across the entire country is what happens to children who come out of foster care or residential programs, they turn 18, and then they're just on their own. And that doesn't go very well. Uh, it didn't go very well for me uh, when I was 18 or 19, thinking I knew everything, when I didn't. I had to call home and I asked for help, and my parents were there to help me and coach me, um, and even then discipline me. Uh, and and so, what we see is, you know, as as the needs of children are are very real, and you know, and and the expectations based on their age and and the needs of of launching into life, you want to provide the kind of capabilities and services that reinforce that. So. That's what our programs do. And as you mentioned, we do work with women who are incarcerated and their children. Uh, what happens to that baby when a mother is in prison? Um, that's important to us. And so our goal is to work with families. We do that. Our goal is to coach and help children. We do that. And we do it in a variety of different ways. So in that sense, Palmer Home has definitely expanded. Our reach has expanded. Uh, we served over 300 children last year. Uh, and, you know, that's exciting to us because that's 300 individual stories 
where we're involved and we're involved in, 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 you know, coaching and directing and helping children uh, stay focused on the important things. And we also help them stay connected when it's possible with their biological family. That's important to them and it's important to us. Drake, I, I think, and, and this is not patting super talk on the back, but I do think that the awareness of Palmer Home is greater than it was a decade ago. And I think in part that's because of, of some of the conversations that we've had with you and staff members and, and residents at Palmer Home over the course of the last decade. But even with people who you would expect to know who Palmer Home is, what Palmer Home is, I, I was surprised last year when, when I walked through the door and the pastor at the church that we attend in Oxford and a couple of elders were there to take a tour, and they're like, yeah, you know, our, our church has supported Palmer Home, but we didn't know what this was. We didn't know what it was all about. And so I feel like awareness is continuing to grow. Have you found that to be the case as well? Uh, absolutely. And uh, you can feel free to, you know, pat Super Talk on the <laughs> back. I mean, when you're broadcasting our story across the state for a full day once a year and throughout the year with different conversations, that message is getting out there. But I also think it's, it's a reflection of the fact that if you think back to when we were kids and, and even before that, you know, the idea of what we called orphanages and, and children's homes, you know, they, they were kind of, uh, you, you just didn't talk about it a lot. You knew it existed, but you didn't really talk about it a lot. And I think our world has changed to, to comfortably acknowledge that there are places that are, exist to help children in those situations. And with, you know, uh, the advent of social media, uh, with greater conversations, and, and honestly, with maybe a more candid faith-based conversation about what are our priorities. Uh, I think we've seen Mississippi really stand up to say, hey, we're interested in this. And so your pastor is not the only pastor who has shown up to say, I, I've kind of heard about this, but I really didn't know about it, and now I do want to know about it. And so we invite anybody and everybody who's interested in understanding how they can influence and help and participate in a in the larger mission, uh, a godly mission. It's not a mission we own. We just participate in it, right? Uh, but in that godly mission of helping your neighbor, helping that child that needs a place to call home, I think we're all called to do that. And so um, I think the awareness of Palmer Home as an option for children to come uh, matters to people. We're faith-based. We're privately funded. We do not take state funding. We hold to our values, and we try to share and teach those values to the children and the families in our care. So for me, you know, I love telling the story because I believe it is a great way for people to act on their faith, to act on a sense of goodwill, to move 5 or $6 over to us once a month or to do more than that, whatever people want to do. If nothing else, just stop and pray for children in need and think about Palmer Home in the process. Drake, always appreciate your time. Really looking forward to being there with you on Thursday for the 11th annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon. It is a special day. It's one that means a lot to us, and uh, look forward to uh, connecting with the entire state of Mississippi for such a great organization once again. Well, thank you so much. It's going to be a great day, and appreciate the time this afternoon. Look forward to seeing you. That's Drake Bassett. He is the Executive Director of Palmer Home for Children. Super Talk Mississippi will be there coming up this Thursday. You have always been incredibly generous and uh, at times have caused us to do things that are a little out of our comfort zone. 
to uh, do things that maybe make you laugh a little bit, but uh, your generosity has been unmatched. And uh, we look forward to that being the case again this Thursday for the 11th Annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're back after this. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Hey, Dad, we were, um, we were sent a link to a story during the Winners and Losers segment for a winner that I missed. But we need to talk about this. Now, All right. it came from OutKick, which I know that's not everybody's favorite site. And I will tell you in advance that I am most certain that I, I am uh, mispronouncing this last name, but that's okay, I'm going to do it because it's fun. Cruz O'Goos, or Augus. I don't know how you pronounce the last name. Doesn't matter. I think we can go with Cruz O'Goose. The uh, yeah. the story at Outkick says that he is the most athletic high school football kicker in the country. He is from Cleveland, Mississippi. He is headed to Mississippi State, but he is committed to run track at Mississippi State. Now O'Goose, Cruz O'Goose, is of Turkish descent. He um he's he's really fast, first of all. The yeah, athleticism best. of us Mediterranean people is just unmatched. Cruz Ogoose has a career best ten eight nine in the one hundred meter and twenty two twenty four in the two hundred. And on top of that, he finished second in the shot put in the five A Mississippi State track meet. And, oh, by the way, he is rated a 4.5-star kicker from RayGuyProKicker.com. He was named the MHSAA 5A Kicker of the Year in 2020, 21, and 22. And you can find videos of Cruz Ogus. I'm not sure I'm even putting the information in the... the, the, No, just go uh, with it. He's Cruz Ogus from here on out. Whatever. Cruz Ogoos. Yeah. Uh, video on his Twitter account, which is Cruz underscore Ogoos, O G U Z. Making a, uh, a field goal from 62. Consistently hitting 75 yard kickoffs, back line of the end zone. And uh, the story wraps as, uh, you know, he's going to track at Mississippi State, but if it doesn't go well in terms of kickers, for the Bulldogs, there is a 4.5-star kicker on campus that perhaps they could uh, Always call Always good up. to have options. Here's, yeah. here's the thing. like, There's a video of him like doing a backflip into a kick. Yeah, he, he's he, he's cool to follow on Twitter. I don't follow him, but I've seen a lot of people retweet his stuff, and he's got he's got a lot going on. 10.89, though, I mean, my, my 100 was 10.89. Now, I would translate that as 11 minutes and 29 seconds, but that's just me. Hmm. <laughs> it's pretty cut up too. It looks like a bodybuilder. 
So yeah, he's he, he's got he's got. I look like that every morning. Take a shower, washes right off. Could you imagine you, uh, the fake field goal and punt possibilities with a guy like that? <laughs> just I just want to see him like come to the line, does the backflip. Everybody's like, "What's going on?" And the guy's rolling out. You're not even looking at it at the quarterback. And it's, mm. Were you aware of uh, Cruz Ogoos before this link? Yes, I, I have seen people, like I said, tweeting him into my, my timeline, like, look at this guy. He's a, and people always ask the question, he's committed to us? And I'm like, yes, but. Mm. Oh, so we're right. We get a text. It's Ogoos. We're right. He worked track meets that he's run. He was a freak. Cruz Ogoos is one of the best names that I've ever heard. We, we need him to be a star. Yes. We need him to win that kicking job and start bombing 50 yarders so we can talk about Cruz Ogoos every week. And, and by the way, it's not C R U I S E. No, no, no. It's C R U Z. O G U Z. It's like Ted Cruz. Not Tom Cruz. Yes. Yes. Somebody said, what was he his is shot ripped put distance? For a kicker, du- man. Yeah. Dwayne asked what his shot put distance was. I, I don't know. Uh, said he had a reason for asking. Let's see. See if I can find it here in the story. Uh, Is it not here in the story? No, they weren't interested enough in uh, shot put to, it, other than he had a personal record. So, okay. Yeah, finished second in the, in the MAIS, uh, whatever thing, track meet championships. MHSAA, I think. Oh, no, it was MAIS for that. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, so there's your Cruz Ogu's story. I like it. I like it. Chris and Oxford, who was the kicker a while back? His last name was Footer. I don't remember Footer, the kicker. I don't remember Footer. My f- my favorite kicker names are obviously Dicker, the kicker, and uh, Pitt was in Arkansas, years right? Ago. Last... He's at Texas. Okay. Oh, that's and right. Arkansas had Pittsburgh. Casey Dick that was a quarterback. Yeah. Under Houston Nutt, yes. And uh, they had uh, uh, the Pitt had a kicker a couple years ago whose last name was Blewett. And I was just like, what a terrible name for a kicker. But he kicked the game winner against Clemson uh, when they were like number one in the nation. So, yeah. Didn't bother him. Uh,. Public service announcement from Kenny and Wesson. If somebody's going north on 55, the interstate is shut down just south of Terry. They are forcing people to take the off-ramp at Crystal Springs. So if that's where you are, heads up. Maybe there's an alternate route for you. And one other late addition to winners and losers. I said Peyton Chatagnier, a winner. Happy that he got a spot at a high-caliber program. He is headed to TCU. So a uh, good spot for uh-huh. Peyton Chatagnier going back to his home state. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour, college football fix when we come back. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour sports talk mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and of course on supertalk tv we are i should say of course 
on uh, your radio stations as well. It's across all 82 counties in the Magnolia State, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, courses that you can play simply by going to DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tee time or plan your trip today. For more information, give them a call, or you can find out uh, all about them online at Pearl River Resort. C Spire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to have you along for the ride on this Monday afternoon. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. told you earlier, one week from today, we will be in Nashville for the very first time for SEC Media Days. And earlier today, we got the list of players who will be there. Of course, head coaches are there and three players from each of the 14 SEC schools. We will do this alphabetically. Um, see if anybody stands out to you guys. Alabama is sending J.C. Latham, who is an offensive lineman, Kool-Aid McKinstry, defensive back, he's a junior, and Dallas Turner, the outstanding linebacker, who is also a junior. One of the things that I remember is from a few years ago, you, you always get the all-name team coming out of National Signing Day. Kool-Aid McKinstry was one of those guys. He was highly recruited and uh, ultimately ended up with Alabama and has delivered. Yeah, two of the best defensive players in the conference there. Latham's a good offensive lineman. There you go. No offensive stars for Alabama right now. No. At least not going into the year. Not going into the season. One will develop, for sure. You, You would think. In terms of stars... Arkansas may have the two biggest at uh, at media days. They're bringing Landon Jackson, who's a junior defensive end, but they're also bringing quarterback K.J. Jefferson going into his senior year and junior running back Raheem Rocket Sanders. Those are two, two of the, the household names in the SEC. Absolutely. Those are the guys to bring. I, I, I don't know Arkansas's roster well enough to say, oh, they should have brought fill-in-the-blank instead of Landon Jackson. But it doesn't really matter who the third person is when is Bumper Pool back for his sixteenth year of eligibility? Uh, I don't. I don't think, think he's, he's not. I think he may have. I think he's. He may have finally, finally gotten that doctorate really and called it a career. Yeah. Uh, Auburn bringing Luke Deal, who is a senior tight end. Elijah McAllister, a senior linebacker, and Cameron Stutz, a senior offensive lineman. No star power at Auburn this year. Name, name an Auburn skill position starter. You mean outside of quarterback? Or we're not calling yeah. quarterback skill position? Yeah, that's quarterback. That's different. Well, they haven't named a starter yet, so yeah, Peyton Thorne. But, but I mean, yeah. this is Auburn. I mean, always big play guys, and they don't have them. See, Although, the star the power is down. Yes. Yeah, there, there's no stud Derek Brown, Big Cat Bryant. Defensive lineman over there. Stutz is good, but yeah. This year, I, uh, Auburn people would probably disagree with this. I think this year is going to look a lot like 2012 at Ole Miss. Every, I mean, he he's doing the great sales job, and everybody's totally bought in, and they're selling a bunch of season tickets and, and all that. 
and the team's going to be inspired, and the roster's not good enough to win the big games, but they'll play hard every week. And they'll I mean, win they, a game they should. They've got six and six, seven and five written all over them, but they'll be competitive every single week. It's just the roster is not they should, there. They should take that. I mean, he's a great coach. He's not a miracle worker, despite what he probably thinks he is. He's not a miracle worker. <laughs> just can't help it, can you? And uh, th- this the the roster's not ready yet. It's it, it's just not there yet. Uh, Georgia bringing tight end Brock Bowers, defensive back Kamari Lassiter, and offensive lineman Cedric Van Pran or Pran. Bowers, am... st- Bowers is a star. Van Pran is probably the best offensive lineman in the conference. Defensively, I, I mean that guy fine, but I mean that you know that somebody will step up for Georgia. Carson Beck will end up being a star, and one of their running backs as well. I'm quite literally scrolling through Georgia's game notes looking for a pronunciation guide. I just can't ever remember if it's Van Pran or Van Pran. I think it's Van Pran. I think. But I'm, I can I'm be pretty complete. sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Florida, speaking about uh, lack of star power, Kingsley Egoquan, an offensive lineman, Jason Marshall Jr., a defensive back, and Ricky Pearsall, wide receiver. There are some brands in this league that don't have star power. It's amazing. Auburn doesn't have any star power. Florida doesn't have any star power. This, this is Florida. Tebow, Harvin, Riddell Anthony, Ike Hilliard, Danny Werfel, Fred Taylor. Where are these guys? No wonder they're 6-6. Six and six. They don't have any players. I mean, we kind of know about Pearsall a little bit. He was injured for bit. part of the season a year ago. Pretty good wide receiver, healthy. <sighs> uh, Kentucky going with Eli Cox on the offensive line, Octavius Oxendine on the defensive line, and J.J. Weaver, the linebacker. Weaver's a good player. Can't believe that I bring in Leary. Yeah, I kind of agree with bring you. Bring your quarterback. Yeah, because that's a sleepy list from Kentucky. At least make yourself interesting with the guy that's going to lead your team. And... And the thing about it is, I mean, people are like, well, you don't want to cause problems in the locker room. Those players don't care who goes to SEC media days. That does not cause a problem in the locker room. It's your quarterback. If your quarterback going to something to speak for your team is a problem for your team, then, buddy, you've got real problems. For LSU, quarterback Jaden Daniels. Running back Josh Williams, defensive tackle Makai Wingo. So, I'm glad to see Daniels. Obviously, sure. Yeah. Well, where where are neighbors and uh, and uh, Harold oh, Perkins? Those are your star. Or Mason Smith, even. Look, this is LSU again. A tradition going back decades of great running backs. I couldn't pick Josh Williams out of a lineup of two. I don't guess I have a problem with Makai Wingo, but Josh Williams, nah, come on now. Come on. Uh, Ole Miss. you, you got to take Perkins or Neighbors, one of the two. Ole Miss. Cedric Johnson, defensive end, senior. Sophomore running back, Quinshawn Judkins. And senior cornerback, DeAndre Prince. I called that, I think. I think did you I did. that last week? Yeah. Did you get all three of them? I said Prince. Well, I knew, we knew Cedric Johnson was probably going, and we yeah. figured Quinshawn Judkins was probably going. 
And so it was like, who's the third guy? And I said, Prince is a good defender. They'll, they'll, they might send him. Yeah. Because we just didn't think they'd bring Dart when there is still a, a quarterback competition happening. Right. I got a few messages about that. And people were like, well, what does it mean? Does it mean Dart's not the starter? It, it, it means that you don't bring in a guy like Spencer Sanders to not at least, at least use him. You know what I mean? Bringing Jackson Dart to this would tell everybody, including the team, that's the guy. And you've got four weeks of training camp to continue to push Jackson Dart, if nothing else. Why wouldn't you use that? See, I would I would argue that the message you needed to send to Jackson Dart happened in the spring. And you got the result you wanted, and you got the result you needed. And... I mean, the competition doesn't necessarily... I guess I don't think Jackson Dart's going to say anything at Media Days, even if he's not named the starter necessarily, that's going to get himself or the team in trouble. He's huh. a smart enough... But but maybe you just don't put him in that position, Yeah, I guess. It, and if you know he's going to take the podium and talk about competition, whether or not you think there it actually is one doesn't matter. He's going to spend training camp telling you that there is one. Sure. And bringing one of the quarterbacks... And standing on the podium and saying, no favorite, it's a true competition, 50-50, well then, why is Jackson here? Why is he here? Yeah. So you eliminate that kind of thing happening, regardless of where they actually stand against each other. On the other side of that, really glad to see Judkins coming. He is a star, one of the best Mm -hmm. players in the league. I I was worried that him being a sophomore, they might not want to include him, so kudos to Kiffin for bringing his absolute best player. When you have a guy that is a legitimate postseason award candidate, I'm not specifically saying the Heisman, you have to do everything you can to promote him along the way. Yes. And use the H word. Talk about Heisman. Use it. Promote it. Why not? They should be doing that now. All right, we'll pick the list up with Mississippi State when we come back. More of the college football fix driven by Ford on the other side of this break. Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can buy Genteel at uh, men's clothing stores across the state, including Harry Meyer Clothing in Mar- uh, Clothier in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, S.F. Alderman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, and Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. You can also find their merchandise online at genteelapparel.com. The uh, college football season is getting close, which means it's time to perhaps update a few of your golf shirts or your quarter zips for the season so that you will be looking your best on game day. You can get merchandise from the Collegiate Collection online at GenteelApparel.com. Genteel, again, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Going through and looking at the list of players that will be at SEC Media Days, Mississippi State, defensive tackle, senior, 
Jaden Crumedy, senior running back Jaquavius Woody Marks, and senior quarterback Will Rogers. I would have revolted if Rogers was not included. I would I would have had a legitimate scene. He was not there last year, was he? Was not. Was and not. Thought, I thought that was a huge. We miss. thought it was ridiculous. We did, especially. So going back to what you just said, not that Rogers was a Heisman candidate last year, but they state wanted to promote him for the Davy O'Brien and things like that. Bring him to media days. Yeah. So glad to see him there this year. Marks is interesting. That's a guy that doesn't do a lot of media. I don't know that I've ever spoken to him. Really? I don't know that he's ever done a, a post game. I, I don't know that. So was Jaden Crumedy interesting last year also? He was Crumedy. This is you know, he's taken the Austin Williams role of coming back twice. I was curious if Austin Williams was actually going to come this year, even though he's no longer with the football team. Put him in a suit <laughs> just, to see what he's happens. He's just going to show up, just show up in a suit. Hey guys, that'd be a great troll. That would be a great troll to just walk him up and down Radio be. Row and see how many guys sit down and ask him. Do about you guys want the Austin season? Williams? You got to have the sign though. You got to yeah. have the sign. Just bring his sign from last year, I guess. Like you guys want Austin Williams or the year before yeah. Austin Williams or the year yeah, or yeah, that? for the. You know, well, even before that was COVID, so we didn't have it. Glad Rogers is going. Glad Judkins is going. I, I still think, and it's never going to change. So th- this is just wasted breath, I guess. But I, I hear from fans. I was talking to a couple buddies last night watching the USA soccer game, and one, one of my friends is a diehard Ole Miss fan. Season tickets his entire life, never misses a game. Always goes to Oxford. Doesn't miss a game. He can't tell you who's going to play wide receiver because he's like they're all new. I don't know who they are. And that's a product of Portal and all that stuff. But if they made these guys more available, more fans would connect with them and the movement wouldn't be as bad. I mean, when we're going to get to hear from Quinshot Judkins, most people for the first time, after a full season, mm-hmm. that's that's wrong. That's the wrong approach. Quinshot Judkins should be behind a microphone multiple times a week every single week. Every single week this season, he should be behind a podium every week after the game and before the game on Wednesday or whatever and for the entire season because he's interesting on top of being a great player. like He's actually a really interesting kid, but nobody knows that because you never get to hear from him, and that's a problem. And It, it goes back to getting players ready for the NFL. It's not just physical. In the NFL, you just walk into the locker room and talk to them. They can't get right. away. It's part of their contract. And you've got a lot. I mean, I know there's some kids from state who have gone to the NFL, and that is the first time they ever talked to the media. Marquise Spencer comes to mind. He just didn't do media, and then he go. You know, they go to the the draft, and then they got to talk to these teams of the combine. They haven't ever talked to anybody. Yeah, I, I, I would agree, and I think that'd be a great step forward for college football if you just said, "Look, there's a mandatory." Once they get like, I know there's like a mandatory ten minute or twenty minute, whatever it is, cooling off yeah. period. Say, okay, teams yeah. get. 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the locker room. Because coaches mm-hmm. don't want that they don't want media in there for their post-game right. conversation with their players. Whether it's right. celebratory or following a loss. You you don't want all of that out. But after that's over, the locker room should be open. Yes. You get it in postseason. Exactly. Exactly. When you're and in an NCAA I've event, always that's said an this. open locker room. I've always said this. It's so weird. In high school, if I wanted to go cover a Starville High game 
and talk to Stonka Burnside after the game. All I got to do is just go on the field and be like, hey, Stonka, come here. And we can talk. And I can get an interview with Stonka Burnside, MSU recruit. And then, as I mentioned with the NFL, it's all part of their contract. You know, you just sit down and you get to talk to them whenever you want. But for some reason in college, it's become like this. We've got to keep them away from that. And I've never understood it. And it does a disservice, to, as you mentioned, to the players because they show up to the league unprepared. And it does do a disservice to the fans. Don't you want to know who these guys are? Don't, don't, I mean, I mean you guys out there listening, don't you want to hear from your players more often than you get to? I mean, I would love to sit here and, and play audio every week of all the player interviews, and it's like two guys. And it, some places, it's the same guys every time. It needs to be different in COVID because you, before COVID, because you could, every week we would request guys and I could request whoever I wanted. And I've talked to, you know, from the 2018, 2019 teams, I talked to a lot of different players, but after COVID, it became like, here's these two guys. Yeah. Missouri is bringing junior defensive back Chris Abrams Drain, senior offensive lineman Javon Foster and senior defensive lineman Darius Robinson. I'm sorry. I fell asleep while you were saying that. What happened? Who's yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, South Carolina. I care less. Uh, going with the all-name team. I mean, they just want three guys on the all-name team. Uh, senior defensive lineman yeah. Tonka Hemingway. Senior punter Kai Kruger. Or maybe it's Kroger. K-R-O-E-G-E-R. And Kroger. senior quarterback Spencer Rattler. It's Kroger's. Mm, thanks. Thanks, Grandma. C- curious to hear uh, from Rattler. Uh, you know, yeah. really, glad they're bringing Rattler. I am too. He was great twice last year, and they happened to be against the two best teams he played, not named Georgia. Yeah. Uh, and great. Yeah. You, you go back and watch that Tennessee game. He was unbelievable. And then called it up again too. really good at, at Clemson, and he was great. Will he take a step forward? Will he be more consistent? I'm curious, and I'm glad he's going to be there. Tip of the cap to Tennessee. They are bringing senior quarterback Joe Milton the third. Great. Yep. I, I'm happy to see that. Also, senior defensive lineman Amari Thomas and senior tight end Jacob Warren. Okay. I feel like with us being in Tennessee for this, they had to bring Milton. Maybe so. Because yeah. I, I, I was told that there will be a lot more Tennessee media at this event than there normally would be. That's not surprising. Like, it yeah. may be a ton. Because there is a ton of Tennessee media. We could have a third Saturday in October showdown between them and the Touchdown Alabama crew. Make sure Wes gets a seat, though. Get that man's seat. <laughs> it better be Texas, a good one, too. Texas A&M bringing junior defensive lineman Fadil Diggs, senior defensive lineman McKinley Jackson, senior wide receiver Anias Smith. Two Mississippi kids. Not playing at Mississippi School is going to be there. K.J. Jefferson and uh, McKinley Jackson. And Vanderbilt going with senior linebacker Ethan Barr, senior safety Jalen Mahoney, and senior wide receiver Will Shepard. Good player. Shepard's a player. We 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 mm-hmm. we brought this up, though, Borky. We were wrong. Where is A.J. Swan? How are you yeah, not bringing on, your quarterback, Vanderbilt? How are you not bringing your quarterback? Help us out here, Clark. We want to promote you. It is... It, I get Vanderbilt's different than the rest. This event is going on down the street from their campus, and they will still be an afterthought. Bring your quarterback. I mean, could you imagine having SEC media days in Jackson? Forget in Oxford or Starkville, in Jackson. And 
be Ole Miss and State being an afterthought? Yeah. I mean, it's four miles from campus. Maybe less yeah. than that. It's, Maybe two and a half. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, just just bring him. Yeah, they're making any sense. Oh, wow. Somebody said, did you guys skip Ole Miss? No, we just talked about them before the break. Cedric Johnson, Quinshawn Judkins, DeAndre Prince are the three for Ole Miss. Yeah, Prince is, uh, and, and Haydad brought him up uh, last week. Uh, kudos to the depth of knowledge. But, but Prince is a, a guy that everybody's so focused on transfer portal guys with Ole Miss's defense, understandably so. But Johnson, throw him in there too, of course. But Prince is somebody that I, I haven't heard brought up by an Ole Miss fan. He's got NFL potential. Mm-hmm. And he was sneaky good on a not good defense last year. Just nobody talks about him because the shiny new toys are here. Yeah. As Richard would tell you, nobody knows the Ole Miss Rebels better than Brian Haydad. I mean, is there any doubt about it? Is there any doubt? I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you. If you're looking for a new Ford truck or SUV or perhaps a Toyota vehicle, let me direct you to Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. They're located on Highway 6 West. Good selection of F-150s on the lot right now. Pretty good financing deals available to you from Ford Credit as well. If you're looking for a used vehicle, they've got you covered there. Also, great selection of used cars, trucks, and SUVs on the lot at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. The second, uh, the, excuse me, the service department is second to none, whether it's routine maintenance or something a little more serious that you need. A family-owned company that will treat you the exact same way, just like family when you walk through the door. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, online at belkford.net or oxfordtoyota.com, and located at Highway 6 West in Oxford, located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, tell them we sent you from Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. You're number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Mississippi, time for us to continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Team number 55 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Pretty good fight song. The Michigan Wolverines. One of the funniest things I've seen in a college football game, I went to an Ohio State-Michigan game, and the Ohio State band in their pregame routine, learns the fight song and actually makes the logo of their opponent, and they like even march it up and down the field and play the, the other team's fight song. They do it every week. 
103,000 Ohio State fans booed their own band pregame when they played the Michigan fight song in the Block M walking up and down their field. That's the Michigan Wolverines. Fight song. Come on. That's awesome. They went 13-1 and last year. Uh, that one was a loss to TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, 51-45. Undefeated in the regular season, won the conference championship game, and uh, then got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Michigan returns on the ground, 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. More than that, 33 touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy returns as their starting quarterback after throwing for 27-19 and 22 touchdowns with just five interceptions a year ago. And the schedule, well, it's pretty favorable for the Wolverines. They open with East Carolina. Guys, if I'm not mistaken, at one point on vacation, I was scrolling through and looking at some futures, week one odds. Michigan is a 39-point favorite against East Carolina in the opener. Does that sound right? Did I make that number up? That sounds right. That is a huge number against a respectable football program. Now East Carolina is going to have a new but quarterback. They'll cover it. You think that's a like a forty-five to forty-nine to yeah. seven game? Yeah. Mm. After East Carolina, they've got UNLV and Bowling Green. All three of those games are at home. Then they open Big Ten play. At Rutgers, or I'm sorry, Rutgers at home on September 23rd. So that's four, sta- uh, four straight in Ann Arbor to start the year. Back-to-back road games at Nebraska and at Minnesota. Home against Indiana. Rivalry game on October 21st when they go to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. So eight straight weeks they will play. Then an open date on October 28th before the stretch run in the month of November that includes Purdue at home. Tricky game, perhaps, at Penn State, November 11th. That'll be a big one. At Maryland on November 18th. And then they close it out with Ohio State at home. Well, let's call that what that is. That's an embarrassment. That's a chump schedule. It's an embarrassment. Really Especially coming out of the league, the, the Big Ten champion the last couple of years has that schedule in the same year where people cried and carried on about the SEC staying at eight. The, the, that is an embarrassment. So, so let me ask you this. Is, is your issue with who they play in the non-conference? Like if there was it, one better non-conference yeah. game, would you completely it, change yeah. it? You can't help your conference schedule sometimes. I mean, are they supposed to leave the Big Ten? Well, no. But the fact that that is their three non-conference games paired with that schedule is an embarrassment. So if on September 9th, instead of playing UNLV, they played South Carolina. Heck yeah. Better. Uh, Better. Yeah. Okay. Better. You made made an effort to, to, to boost it up. Okay. I mean, you can't help that Rutgers stinks and Indiana stinks and Michigan. I mean, your in state rival's not good right now. Like, you can't help that stuff. Nebraska stinks. October 7th at I mean, Minnesota could be a little tricky. Yeah, it could. Minnesota's a decent team. Purdue was in the Big Ten Championship last year. Penn State and Ohio State are what they are. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But your non-conference, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and they don't have the Georgia excuse of the conference made us cancel a big time opponent. Uh uh-uh. uh. They don't. Is they going undefeated? No. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you say no, Borky? Uh, They'll either lose to Ohio State at the end of the year. The the tricky road games you mentioned. I know Nebraska's bad right now, and and this may not be the year, but at Nebraska, at Minnesota, at Penn State, that's not easy. And then you still have to play Ohio State, which is the most talented team, even in the Big Ten. Like, more talented than Michigan on paper. You know what I would say the two pitfall games for them are? It's not at Michigan State. That's a rivalry game. It's not at Penn State. I mean, that's a that's a big time game in a big time atmosphere. Could they lose that game? Sure. Yeah, they could. But the two to me that that jump out as the ooh didn't see that one coming at Minnesota, October seventh, at Maryland on November eighteenth. Yeah. It's a trap. It's a classic trap game. It's sandwiched between Penn State and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And it's on the road against a team you feel like you're going to beat. That has all the quality hallmarks of the trap game. And and Maryland, not a terrible team either. Returning Good enough. Veteran quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, returning their top yeah. five or six rushers from a season ago. You know that'll be a big deal in College Park. Eh, we'll see. Whoa, breaking news. Pat Fitzgerald fired. By Northwestern. That's no surprise. No, it's really not. No surprise. Never coach again. Well, you know I say that. Everybody tries to keep sneaking Art Bryles back in. Somebody will try to get him back in, too. What a what a uh, tough time to be trying to hire a head coach. Yeah, and, and, and oh, by the way, within. hey, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. What assistance well, knew about yeah, this? Yeah. What assistance knew yeah, about it? It's going to be tough to promote from within. So who do you get? Who's an alum? Who's an alum that's a coach? I mean, I know that didn't go well with Fitzgerald, but I mean that's another problem though. Can you go get a former player right now? I don't know. They may have to go straight arrow Gennaro route. Dan Mullen. Oh yeah, that's the kind of job I've been looking for. Mullen would kill it at Northwestern, I that's think. That's not I think a terrible would. suggestion, Borky. That's why I made that it is all. not your worst idea. And they've invested heavily. Like they're, they're really trying to be good at football. And, and about to do the stadium, yeah. too. They've already got maybe yeah. the best practice facility in all of college football. And they're about to redo the stadium as well. Yeah. I mean, could Dan Mullen go in there and get the alums I'm, on I'm board from an Borky. NIL standpoint? Are you giving Borky credit for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, why why wouldn't you go that direction? Hmm. Man, that makes a lot of sense. But again, I, I, ooh, could Dan Mullen put together a staff between now and... Oh, you, you have what do you think to... Hevesy and Gonzalez are doing right now? They're not, they're just sitting at home. Yeah, you can put together a staff. But that that is that that's their biggest issue now. You mentioned it is clearly they found something. They they didn't fire yeah. Pat Pat Fitzgerald because of social media. That's not what happened. They decided last week that our investigation is going to be as thorough as we want it to, and we're gonna this is going to go away. And then, honestly, this started because of student journalists started doing some digging and found 
things a lot deeper than the report says. You know what, guys? I, I saw something on Twitter today from Wes Rucker that I actually agreed with. He said, as a condition of playing major college football, private schools should have to disclose things at the same rate that public schools have to disclose. They shouldn't be able to hide behind the idea of we're a private school and we aren't subject to the same rules. You're right, you're not. But you aren't allowed to play major college football and hide behind the veil of secrecy of being a private school just because you're a private school. I actually thought that there was there was some wisdom behind that. Makes a lot of strong, sense. Strong actually. agree. Absolutely. Because yeah. you, you can FOIA the public schools. That's right. Yep. You, you can. Uh, all well, right, except so, for in the state of Georgia, because they pass laws that allows you to not really be able to do that. Anyway, 49 states, you can FOIA the public schools. Michigan, team number 55 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Sports Talk Mississippi will be back. We'll wrap it up with you after this. Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. I was just thinking about it during the break. I mean, what we said a second ago, if, if you're Northwestern, you, you can't just fire Pat Fitzgerald, which everybody is tweeting they have done. Everybody's doing sources, 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 whatever. So he's fired. He's out. If the head coach knew, of course the assistant coaches knew. Like, it's way more likely that a head coach would not know about something like that than the assistant coaches not knowing about something like that. And the support staff knew, maybe not all of them, maybe your academic advisor didn't know that they were hazing football players in the locker room. But the recruiting coordinator knew. Maybe the video guy didn't know if he was like just off in his cave making promo videos. I, I, I don't know. If it was this widespread within that program, everybody knew about it. And so this, if the standard is, well, the head coach has got to go, you have to fire everybody. If you're serious about changing it. And, and so here's the, the question that popped into my head. Is how similar is Northwestern as a program? to what Mississippi State was when Dan Mullen was hired. Mm-hmm. From a results standpoint, they're a little worse. They were 1-11 last year. They were 3-9 and nine the year before that. State had been to a bowl the 
two seasons before, or the, had been to a bowl two seasons before Mullen was hired. Um, and certainly from a culture standpoint, you know, Dan Mullen walked into a, a he walked into a sol- solid, strong locker room that wasn't you know racked by any kind of allegations or anything. So this is a worse situation in my opinion. But I mean. Yeah, Mullen, I think, has certainly got some, some, some crisis management skills from his time at Florida, you would think. So, do is there another name that, that pops into your head? I mean, it's, it's July 10th. Practice starts in three weeks. Well, three what, they, weeks. what they need to go do is go back to their investigation where they found a bunch of stuff, but selectively chose not to do anything about it and figure out who else is involved. And then the best case scenario is you can find somebody that you truly cannot point to anything that the players respect guess, and just yeah. get through the season. But but hold on, why is that best case scenario? Because hiring why, why, a coach right would, now is a disaster. I mean, why, why would best case scenario not be hiring someone who has the level of experience like Dan Mullen? That's that's best case scenario. You well, just could hired you get him to take a it? really good coach. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, but that's why it's best case. All right, so <laughs> what, what does it what does it take? Hey, Dan, here's a six year, forty two million dollar contract, fully guaranteed, seven million a year. We understand that the program is in shambles. Year one doesn't count. Might even, if I'm Dan, I'm asking for longer than six. Truthfully. Okay, but yeah, sure, seven yeah. years, forty. Forty-nine million, seven years, fifty, making a nice even fifty. And especially, I know it's a very wealthy place, but the athletic well and the university well are two different things. If they're able to get out of, if this is for cause and they don't have to pay Fitzgerald the remainder of his contract, suddenly yeah, a lot of money's open. Which they up. will. They 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 are one hundred percent will not have to pay any more money to Pat Fitzgerald. No. I, Bork, yeah, I, so. look, I don't know what Northwestern's going to do. I mean. Their AD and their president have got to figure something out. Who are other coaches like this, though? Coaches that are currently not working. They're, they're out there, so right? I, so they're, I just said, know. what's Paul Christ up to? Okay, good name. Big Ten experience. Paul, you know? Paul Christ is a good choice. That's a good choice. Um, and D'Antonio had some, some issues there at the yeah. end, so you yeah, can't go get yeah. him. That's, that's not going to work. Chris does make think, sense. Yeah. That 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 would be another one. Could you get him off the beach? Yeah. Apparently for, he was enjoying $50 retirement. Probably could. Yeah. Yeah, but he was just coaching last year. I mean, he, he right. didn't want to lose his job at Wisconsin. He probably would come back. Um, I don't know. Six months ago, you could have gotten Hugh Freeze. One hundred percent could have gotten Hugh Freeze at Northwest. But imagine. Yeah, but it's different. Yeah, it's, we, it's we different, joke, but, but what about Houston Nutt? I would never. Wow. You would never, but... Wow. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. They're in the people helping business in Northwestern. Let's go. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Show is always brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and I guess now Threads (laughs) at Visit Oxford MS.
Thanks for being Look with us. Look at Rhino. You only got a few more days with that hair, Rhino. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Don't forget, Palmer Home for Children Radiothon coming your way on Thursday. For Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.